Vista Studios. Learning with Bell Vista Studios is an opportunity for us at Bell Vista Studios to learn from amazing people in the industry. So Kim and I look out for people that inspire us, people that do things that really make us think, wow, like there's such amazing humans doing amazing things in our industry. And so the intent is just to learn from people. And so this is Kim. I'm Hannah. We're both from Bell Vista Studios. And today we've invited Agley to come on the show. And Agley I met in London and she just inspired me so much. She was at so many different events. She would speak at events. She was so lovely to me being new to the city and I just felt like I could learn so much from her. And through that inspiration, I spoke to Kim about Agley and just said, this girl is so awesome and she's gonna be such a big asset and already is to our industry. So yeah, this conversation, conversation is just about having a chat with Agley around instructional design and how she's learnt what she has and just advice for people in the industry. So I guess just to get started, Egley, what how do you get the skills that you have and what do you do to be who you are in the industry? <laughs> um, first of all, thanks for, thanks for having <laughs> me. I'm, uh, I'm very flattered. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot because when you um, when you are a freelancer, you cannot really rely on, on an employer to develop you. And once you take that, that jump, it's a completely different mindset. And you cannot really, obviously, you take different projects to learn from them, but you cannot position that as, a, as your selling proposition. You're being hired to, uh, to get something done. Um, so I guess that there are two ways to look at, at learning as a, as a contractor, as a freelancer. So one of them is, is the, the usual thing. It's, it's about reading, it's about attending events, uh, listening to seminars, maybe webinars, uh, podcasts, especially lately. Uh, definitely meeting, meeting, up, meeting up with people. Um, I do that a lot. Uh, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten was to not be afraid to uh, cold approach people on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So uh, if there is somebody who you are uh, interested in meeting, uh, if you just send them uh, a connection request or a message, obviously introducing yourself, not, not just, you know, somebody <laughs> wants to connect with you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you send that request, uh, the worst thing that can happen is they're not going to reply to you <laughs> and they're going to forget that you exist. And the best thing that can happen is that they're going to actually reply to you and you're going to get coffee and you're going to learn from them. So um, I think that's, that's, that's one part of learning uh, that I practice. Uh, and definitely, I think I, I, I probably meet at least one brand new person every, every month just, just using this approach. Um, and another one, I guess, it's picking the kinds of projects that stretch you and uh, creating learning opportunities for yourself on those projects. Um, so, uh, for example, it's very easy to feel very comfortable. Uh, you develop a certain kind of, uh, say, e-learning. Uh, so you're very well known, for example. You have very many leads to develop that kind of thing uh, over and over again. And it's very easy to fall into that trap. Mm -hmm. But picking projects that are completely different from each other. So, for example, mm -hmm. most recently, uh, after I finished a long stint uh, creating uh, high visibility, big budget uh, corporate projects, I started working with startups uh, uh, with virtual reality, with alternative MBA, which wow. is not even digital. Uh, but it made me think, it made me reassess my assumptions about what learning is. And then this is something that I'm going to carry uh, forward to onto my other projects. And... Um, definitely made me reassess everything from processes, from how business works, what value I create. So there's a lot of, a lot of doubt, a lot of self-doubt, <laughs> but there's also a lot of confidence to be gained from it, definitely. And it's also about being conscious on those projects. So it's not just about creating a diverse portfolio, which is obviously good, but it's also being conscious about how, just, how fortunate you are uh, being able to work on different things. So yeah. As a freelancer, it's up to you to choose what you work on or yeah, to yeah. actively pursue projects that may not come naturally uh, your way. And it's about 
very consciously experimenting with with your thinking. Uh, maybe you know, um, I, I did, I I accomplished something using this process that way in this organization. Now this is different. Uh, just observing how it all works out and what you can learn from that experience. So really putting in all of the reflection, just practicing what you preach uh, as, a, as a learning mm -hmm. designer and just experimenting on yourself and with yourself. It's awesome. interesting you say that because what I get from you is that everyone knows that stuff, right? But you put it into action. Yeah. So what is it within you that allows you to put it into action? And especially when you talk about taking on projects that challenge you because everyone has this fear about imposter mm. syndrome. So how have you personally overcome that? Oh yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. So the imposter syndrome, uh, it never really goes away. I just ignore it. Ooh, um, wow. that, that, Interesting. <laughs> that, would be, that would be the easy answer. Um, so I have had a few experiences in my life uh, where I had a chance to meet people who really inspired me, who I was so giddy about meeting because I had no idea they would take that meeting. Uh, and uh, I would meet them and, and talk about their successes. And that's not necessarily in, in, in L&D in any way. Yeah. Um, uh, and I would talk about their successes and everything. I would read about them in the media. And then they would tell me the real story uh, about everything going on behind the scenes. And then oh. it, I think it's the case of meeting your heroes. And then yeah. you realize that what you see other people achieve, this is like these struggles, everybody goes for them. That yeah. doubt, even the best people, most successful people, they go through that, uh, yeah. which is um, just eye-opening once you realize that everything yeah. that has been created around us has been created by somebody else and before they created that they had a lot of doubt and yeah, maybe yeah. that creation was just a result of some massive failure <laughs> um, so um, I guess that's that that's one experience of one yeah, type of experience that's freaking that amazing yeah. <laughs> I love that um, answer yeah and, uh, and and another one that really cemented that for me is that um, when, uh, when I got into Harvard and they had this welcome dinner and the dean came on stage and the first thing he asked, and there were like 600 of us, uh, the first thing he asked, by the show of hands, how many of you think that we've made a mistake and that you, sh you shouldn't be here? Everybody raised their wow. hands. Wow, so amazing. And when you realize 600 hands around you, people with imposter syndrome, then that's when you realize and, and you know, inspiring people who you really admire and, and look up to, that's when you re realize that all of us have it. If yeah. you have it, it just, you know, just ignore it. <laughs> what, what can I say? That's just amazing. I love that. So how do you, like, when you meet with people like that, because I think that is amazing, and I think new people in the industry would love to learn from others in the industry who have been here for a while. How did you, like, was there any nerves around meeting up with those type of people? Because I know for me, if there was someone I really looked up to, I'd be thinking, oh, like, what am I going to say to them? And, like, how did you push past that barrier to meet with those people and start making those connections? I guess... The hardest part is always sending out that initial email. Yeah. And once you get over it, like, uh, once they reply to you, yeah. <laughs> um, that's when you just you know you get the ball rolling and you just meet with them. I don't I don't have a I don't have a process. I'm not really nervous meeting uh, meeting these people, which is yeah. quite unusual because cool. I'm not I'm I'm uh, I'm, an, I'm an introvert. Uh, I don't really feel very comfortable in hypersocial situations. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, meeting, meeting with people and you, when you realize that, again, when, if, you, if you look at yourself as somebody who has no value uh, and you're meeting with somebody who has a lot of experience and sort of wasting, my, wasting their time by imposing myself on me, of course, it's going to be super intimidating. But the thing is that these people who have gotten somewhere in life, 
one skill that they have learned is to ignore meetings they don't want to take. Yeah. Uh, and if they, wow. if they yeah. agree to take that meeting, that means that they want to meet you and maybe not, I mean, you don't need to give value. You don't need to give something that they can monetize or just oh, wow. use at work or it's, it's a different kind of meeting. It's, it's the value of somebody, somebody's experience feeling being validated by somebody else asking for their advice. It's the feeling of sharing, which you cannot underestimate because sharing and, and, and teaching and coaching others is such, such a fulfilling mm. experience. Um, so when you think about it that way, that you're giving somebody to that person, they're giving their time and their knowledge, but you're giving them that, you know, feel good factor. And uh, maybe even if, if they're really self-aware and they like self-reflection, self maybe it's about them even taking something from that conversation, from yeah. your point of view. and prompting something in their head as well so all of us have value so just so cool, think of, think about it like that yeah and it's 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 much less intimidating then. that's really cool that's amazing so on the topic of learning how do you think with the instructional design role how do you think that's changing over time like what you have you learned from people from others and through the work that you do and how that role is developing into the future? Um, so lately, I have been asking myself whether instructional design is still a legitimate career choice uh, <laughs> okay. or a legitimate career advice to pursue instructional design as a career. Now you have people's um, attention. Yeah, they're like, wait, what? This will be the sound bite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been wondering, if you're doing the same thing, say, say e-learning courses, where do you think your job is going to be in five years? Is it, is it actually useful? I think, I think a good comparison could be web design, where yeah. some, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, web design was, was all the hype, and now it's not even a thing because it's morphed into UX, UI, front-end yeah. dev. Uh, so people who have... Um, kept up with that uh, transition, they are doing something very different. So the website, the app may, may look the same, but the process of getting there is very different. It's very user-centric, it's, it's, it's research, it's behavioral insights, testing, iteration, and so on and so forth. And I'm thinking that with e-learning, very slowly, this profession is morphing into, uh, let's call it learning product design, maybe, okay. hopefully. And I'm saying slowly, the word slowly, very deliberately, because storyline still anecdotally seems to be the top skill on many job ads. But I do feel that there is a lot of stuff that nobody wants to use that's being created uh, because essentially there are mechanisms in organizations to coerce people by making it to, <laughs> to coerce people to consume that kind of content in that form. And I don't know if it's very fulfilling to create torture devices for people. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I feel that this is something that it's, it's important to keep up. You cannot, as a, as a learning designer, as an instructional designer, to become complacent in that I'm, I'm just a content creator. I'm brought in to create content. You're so much more than that. It's about yeah. business. It's about performance. It's about processes. There is so much more that you yeah. can give. And especially as a freelancer, when you work in very many different organizations, there is so much value you can take from one uh, to another that I think it should be yeah, definitely thought about whether instructional design is, uh, is, is going to last even for the next five years. Wow. So what do you do to not make your courses torture devices? <laughs> So what's you, how do you go, I don't want to make this like torture for people to complete? What sort of things go through your head? <laughs> um, so uh, a few things. So uh, you're proponents of uh, user-centric design as well. Yeah. So if, if I can get my hands on users, I do that. 
Awesome. Uh, lately, I've been very fortunate because I've been working with startups. Even earlier today, I had user interviews this entire week. Uh, I've been having user interviews. Uh, then uh, working with, um, uh, again, again, I think there is a very diff a huge difference between how startups uh, and let's say pro or independent learning products uh, yeah. approach the process versus corporates who commission. Uh, that commission learning, but uh, so yeah, definitely user-centric design. That would be a first. Yeah. Another thing is not to start the process with with a solution in mind. Ooh, if you like if you think that if if somebody comes to you with uh, a problem, which is going to be a performance problem, and if you are if you immediately think about how I'm going to create a new learning course for that, and <laughs> you just think about how do I make this, how do I embed various uh, digital learning interactions within that yeah. course, but you do not question whether that should even exist yeah. and whether it should be a course, uh, that's, that's mistake number one. So, so for me, things like, uh, again, lately, uh, I, I, I created a um, VR a simulation wow. for soft skills, which is a <laughs> completely Ooh. different thing. Yeah. Um, I also uh, create, uh, co-created a um, an alternative MBA curriculum uh, and sort of the the flow of it, uh, which was again a very different experience, very very user centric uh, in corporate environments. If you think about um, say leadership training, does yeah. it actually have to be a course? Do, can you make it? Can you make it a platform where people? Uh, that people use to follow up on their face-to-face -face training where they can just put those learnings into action. You don't need to dump yeah. a lot of content anymore. So it's, yeah. it's, about, it's about these kind of approaches. In the end, the end product may look the same because if you yeah. think about it, any digital learning, it has very similar ele elements. It's yeah. text, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's image, yeah. it's video, animation, a few interactions, you know, questions, yeah. according, whatever. Um, but it's about how you use them and yeah. you shouldn't use them to hide content that shouldn't be there. You shouldn't even <laughs> yeah. include content that shouldn't be there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, on that, so if a client comes to you and they say, we need this solution, whatever it is, what are the questions or things that you say so that you can push back? and say, well, hold on, how do we know that's the solution that's needed and that's the actual problem that needs to be solved? And, a and another part of that is then as well, when they try to go, let's put all this content in there and you're like, well, hold on, that's not necessary. So <laughs> yeah. how do you, what things are you saying to them to help win them over to see the bright side? <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> I get asked that a lot in interviews. Um, uh, Okay, so a few things. So the first thing I ask always is what do you want to achieve? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, because that's, I guess, the biggest misunderstanding. If somebody starts with a solution, and often clients may start with a solution, um, in, in many cases, it's because they are on autopilot. They are just used to creating that, that type of thing. Uh, and it's quite useful to prompt them to think about what they want to achieve. Many times that's going to work. Uh, other times it's going to be something related to because it would work because people are interested in actually doing their job right. If they're commissioning you, yeah. they are accountable to somebody else for that for that budget and to achieve yeah. certain outcomes. So most of the time, or many many times, that would work. Sometimes that would not because they could not. I don't want to. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to swear. Uh, they do not. Uh, well, I just broke so now you're welcome. They don't care. <laughs> <Kim's just started. laughs> um, and uh, they don't care because, for example, you know that that project may be um, something that they're using to spend their budget so that they can max it out and get more budget in the future. Yeah. They could not care less. Um, in that case, I guess um, it's important to to talk to that client as an individual. Uh, what are you trying to achieve? Is it, okay, so you're not after creating a really good solution with lots of impact, which is 
you know, fine, I'm not judging. Okay, I'm judging you a bit, but uh, not, <laughs> not too much. Yeah. Um, so, so what is it that you're after? Do you want to create a splashy something? Uh, do you, uh, mm. you know, do you want the, the glory? What, what, what is it that, that why are you, why are wow. you in this from? Yeah. So I think that's, that's, that, that conversation can lead you in so many directions. And if you uh, ask these questions, some people will even like being asked these questions. Uh, and if you can sort of steer them back and say that, okay, so this is what you're after. How about we achieve this, but yeah. also do that. So that's yeah. going to be even more beneficial yeah. to you. So I think that's that's a good template. Obviously, easier said than done, but I've noticed that either asking what what are you trying to achieve, and then going from there and uh, and the behaviors and so on and so forth, yeah, uh, or asking about what you personally want. Yeah. One of them. Mm, that's really cool. Middle. That's I interesting. Like nice. So as a freelancer. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, like, I don't have much experience with it. Kim is the one who gets our contracts and sort of goes out and meets with clients. What are your tips for people? Say there's new people in the industry who are wanting to go freelance and they're just not sure how to get that next contract. I see that you work on a lot of different things. So what's your process for doing that and how do you get that next job? Um, so I, a few things, hopefully. But I don't forget anything important. <laughs> so it's okay, we'll keep asking. The basic thing is, for the love of God, update your LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is this is something that so many freelancers don't do. For example, they may have something on their LinkedIn that's their say, limited company in the UK, and they have obviously five or seven years of experience working on that company, sort of creating, learning design solutions, whatever. Yeah. Nobody knows what it is. Uh, nobody wants to find your portfolio and like, click on these links. Just list the things that you're doing. If you if you can yeah. link to link to your uh, link to examples, link to maybe even websites of the company that you're working with. You cannot showcase the actual work. Uh, another thing that's quite useful is if you can get involved in some public facing work that you can actually showcase in your okay. portfolio. Because one of the biggest problems is that people don't want to showcase the, yeah. uh, the work that's under NDA. And uh, I personally had been quite fortunate to have been involved with things that I can show people and I can, can use as, can, can do a walkthrough and, and explain my thinking with, you know, guilt-free. Yeah. Um, so that, that's it. LinkedIn is, is the basis of it all. This is how people find you. Uh, just optimize the keywords. Uh, yeah. So that's that. Another thing, connect with the recruiters in your, your industry. Uh, this is something that quite that surprises me a lot uh, when there are people who do not know who the main recruitment agencies are in, in their industry. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. So these, these are the basics. And then in my experience, I started out, I, I relied on recruiters a lot. They gave me my probably first probably three contracts, I want to okay. say, or wow. two, three, three, three contracts. Um, but um, after that, uh, you need to look, when you, when you start freelancing, you need to shift your mindset a bit. You shouldn't perceive yourself as, uh, as a temp employee uh, who's higher paid. Uh, you should perceive yourself as a one person business. And you, yeah. this is how you should work it. Uh, you go to events, you, uh, you, you obviously you don't pitch yourself completely like, I'm a designer, hire me, here's my card, and <laughs> yeah, not yeah. learning tech. Uh, but it's about creating, those, the, creating these relationships. It's about finding the key people on LinkedIn who are decision makers who you need to meet. So being strategic, you have everything. Can you imagine how much information we have on LinkedIn? You can find everybody who's doing yeah. anything in your industry. Yeah. You can find people who are in the positions that you want to be in. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can find me and connect with me and ask me about how I got things. Uh, you, can, you can find somebody who's senior who can hire you. I, I mean, it's just, just work it. Yeah. Uh, and of course, with, uh, with events, I know that people, lots of, mo okay, most people hate networking events, yeah. but 
um, I guess the, the, the events are very important because yeah. that's, that's how you meet people, that's how you expand your network. Um, but I, I would say two things. First of all, if, you, if you're early in your career and you don't want to go to an event, I, I get cold feet every time. Uh, just make yourself. I, I, I remember being really tired after work. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to go home and go to sleep, not do two hours of active talking, small talking or whatever. You never know what's <laughs> yeah. going to happen. Um, but I would just make myself because yeah. there is a goal. This is what I want to achieve. I want to increase my rate. I work on different projects. I want to uh, maybe change change my current project. I yeah. Many things. I want to get exposure. I want to learn things. I want to work with specific people and to know that they work in that company. Um, you just make yourself. Nobody is going to do that for you. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's first. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's the, that, that's the hard truth. Um, <laughs> and another thing is that there are so many um, low entry level, let's say, events. For yeah. example, events like um, uh, in London. Uh, learning experience design meetup yeah. uh, or uh, the e-learning network events that are yeah. all over the UK where it's not intimidating it's not it's not pure small talk you can yeah. actually have actual conversations with people uh, everybody is on the same page nobody sells nobody's selling to you yeah it's just a very lovely experience in yeah. general yeah. that you can get involved as much as you want or not at all uh so it's not like this crazy 100 people networking event where the room is buzzing and people are talking about things that you don't care about mm -hmm. yeah it's like you know it's there is there are groups you can just listen to what what do the conversations happening just do it at your pace yeah. and it's 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 gonna work out yeah. yeah i guess it's similar to what you're saying about the imposter syndrome like yeah everyone that's going to the events is nervous themselves yeah. they are also anticipating like i don't know what i'm gonna say and who am i gonna meet and all this kind of stuff goes through their head but they show up yeah. so just think of them in the same kind of shoes as you yeah exactly exactly yeah, I definitely found that in London, those networking events were so amazing for me. Like that is how I could meet people and I could learn so much. And like you said, like before, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I don't want to go. But then when you'd go, like everyone was so lovely and you'd meet so many amazing people. And like, I'd always come back and tell you about yeah. the cool <laughs> things I'd learn and like the people I met. Um, so yeah, I think you're totally right about forcing yourself to go to those events because the people you can meet and what you learn is like, really cool yeah 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 very very rarely do i leave disappointed that i that i ever came yeah <laughs> that's good that's good definitely so um what's the go like i don't know your background like where how did you get into freelance like how mm. what was the the thing that said i'm going out on my own like how did you know that was the right time um <laughs> yeah so i always my goal in this industry has always been to be a contractor yeah. uh, for the, the main reason is the diversity of projects uh, and uh, if you if you leverage that well it's it's a very fulfilling professional fulfilling yeah. experience that you may not get pretty no I, I'm pretty sure you cannot get anywhere else yeah. working at any single company um, but I think when you think about when's the right time to go freelance uh, it's when you, um, you you shouldn't do freelancing until you know what you're doing, uh, because if you start too early, you're gonna get stuck with mm. simple projects with low rates, uh, and you're not gonna get that springboard, uh, yeah. that say defining project or that interesting experience that you can tell uh, your next client about and uh, get yeah. that even better experience with 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 a higher rate. Yeah. So I guess I think I think that's that's what I always tell people: don't do freelancing until you know what you're doing, yeah. because it's you're on your own. Nobody, ultimately, nobody cares about your development yeah. from then on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. What was it for you? Because I think a lot of people worry about the financial side of it. Yeah. Like it's not a stable income. So how do you go? Oh yeah, I can get my first contract, and then whoa, where does the next one come from? 
so this is something that you have to get comfortable with. This uh, unknown is <laughs> the downside of being paid a higher rate than you would be as, yeah. a, as a firm employee. Um, so far, uh, knock on wood, uh, I've had a pretty stable stream of income. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but, but I guess that, 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 that all circles back to this idea that you should operate not as a, uh, as a temp employee, but you should operate as a business. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you have to think about where your next contract is going to come from. You yeah. need to think about, say, if I am the product, how do I make myself better? How do I mold myself into something that the market wants? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, that's, that's, that's pretty much I, that, that's pretty much the best advice I, I, can, I can give any, anyone. It's just putting in, putting in the hard work. Because if you don't, this is this is when when you're gonna that that that's when you're gonna struggle. Yeah, I think work. it is hard. And like my advice to people would be to do it for the right reasons. Because a lot of people they want the flexibility, they want to be able to juggle. Maybe their kids are doing like the shorter school hours, so they want to be able to pick them up and be home after work and things like that. And if that's your motivator to be freelance, it is unlikely to work out. But yeah. if you're coming from a place of, I freaking love what I do and I'm really good at it and yeah. that's your passion, that's what kind of propels you, attracts the business to you, like your clients yeah. and the network and the, um, what do you call it, like the authority around you're good at this and you're known for this. So yeah. you're attracting the clients and the contracts yeah. and then you control your time and how you work on projects and things like that that enable that lifestyle around freelance so i wouldn't go into freelance for the lifestyle necessarily i would go in from the the passion perspective yeah. and create the lifestyle around that and then the other tip would be like and we do, i have to do it all the time is one business building activity every single day whatever that looks like, because you have to have the next thing coming in. And in our industry, the contracts take so long to come together. You ha may yeah. have a relationship for two years of someone you met at a conference <laughs> one time and had a joke with, and yeah. then you just connect every so often. Yeah. But that one time that you showed up at the networking event where you had a laugh with them, yeah. is that business building activity for that day. And two years later, they're like, hey, <laughs> remember me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would even go, I, I completely agree with, with what you're saying, uh, and, but I would even go further and say that lifestyle comes after you've put in the hard work. Yeah, yeah uh, that's I would cool. say I, I would say that work-life balance is the biggest challenge for me uh, yeah. as a freelancer. It's very hard to check out. It's very hard to, uh, to take a proper holiday. I'm still <laughs> learning how to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, this is one of my biggest struggles, really. Um, because it's always in the back of your head that I, this day that I'm not working, I'm not getting paid. And mm. overcoming that is huge. And for, I would say that if you want eventually that lifestyle of working when you want, doing your own hours, uh, you have to go through that. I'm going to swear. Uh, because this, <laughs> is, this is the word that I use in my <laughs> personal life. Uh, it's, uh, you have to go through the shit creep. Yeah. Uh, so you just have to, to do that hard work. Can long, I stop you? Because I thought your hours, curse word was uh, going to be way just... more dramatic than that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a low level curse word. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's going to happen? And like, yeah, I was she waiting for something yet? really bad. I was like, oh, it's going to Just drawing attention to the fact that you cursed. Um, no. <laughs> now, now I feel embarrassed about my mild curse word. I need to come up with something stronger. <laughs> Get my point across. Um, but yeah, so it it's a lot of work yeah. without without holidays, without being able to check out. There's a lot of stress before you get to a point where first of all you're paid enough so you don't have to pay to, to work every day. Yeah. Uh, to maintain the lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle is for you. And for you to be able to find clients on a fairly consistent basis so that you can allow yourself to check out for a bit. Uh, because the reason I'm always online 
most of the time when I'm, say, on holiday, and yeah. I even I, I try to minimize my meetings, but I still take meetings. It's because you never know when the next lead is going to come in, and I would love to get to a point where I, I could afford to do that, and I'm still not there. So when when people say that they want to do freelancing because they want to work their own hours, I don't know what kind of freelancing they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. I set my own projects. I kind of set my own hours. They just happen to be way more than I would work. As a yeah. Friend. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so how do you manage your projects? Like generally, how do you get things done on time and keep yourself accountable? Because we, I know we have to have processes in place so we can get sort of overwhelmed and realise things aren't going to get done in time. So it'd be interesting to know how you do that. Um, I, I really don't have a process. It's more like a sense of, sense of duty. Mm. Oh, okay. I guess uh, if you, if you realise... Um, so sometimes I work with organizations and I adapt to their processes. So obviously, if you work with an agency, you adapt to their deliverables and their yeah. base and, and, and ways of working. Yeah. Uh, when I work uh, for myself, uh, I, okay, I, I always work for myself, but when I don't have an agency with, a, with an existing structure in place, yeah. uh, it's about what the business needs. So you set yeah. out the deliverables and the dates was very clear uh, what needs to happen when and what the, uh, what the contingencies are and uh, then it's about you following through and there are always distractions and there are always uh you know sometimes just didn't have enough sleep and and you're having trouble focusing sometimes you know you get a message and it really throws you off and you start thinking about other things yeah it's important to be accountable to yourself and saying that I want it at, at, the, at the beginning of each day, I know what I'm going to accomplish by the end of that day. And if by the end of that day, I haven't accomplished that, I put in more hours and more work and get my okay. shit together, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> that's how things get done. Yeah. And that's how you get, that's how you earn respect yeah. from your yeah. clients. And that's how you get further work because you do look. Yeah. I feel like freelancers, you have to be very disciplined. Like what I'm picking up is you have to... Like, I don't think the freelance world is for everyone. Um, and I think it's like a type of person. Like, you and Kim both do it. And I do it to some extent, but Kim's sort of running the business. Um, and it's like special types of people that do it. And I don't know if it's like the passion or you are just really disciplined people. But, yeah, I don't think everyone could do what you guys do. So, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> But the reality is, at least for me, so it doesn't sound like you need to be a certain type of person. And if you're yeah. not, then you're going to fail. Yeah. Uh, it's something that's learned. It's something that okay. I still struggle with. It's just that there are certain things that I would like myself to be. And I would like to be perceived as. Yeah. And there is some work to do to get there and to yeah. get that respect. So for me, uh, commitment is huge. If I commit yeah. to something, I'm gonna deliver it. I'm gonna deliver it on time, and I'm gonna deliver. It. I'm not. I'm not gonna phone it in. I'm gonna deliver something that's of quality. That's something I'm proud of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's. This is part of my. I would say identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if if that's the case, you just think about when you find it hard to regulate yourself, think about the things that you want yourself to be, that you perceive yourself as, yeah, wow. and then induce cognitive dissonance uh, and torture yourself a bit <laughs> with that. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if I'm not doing something, that means I'm not that person. Can I live with wow. that? No, I cannot. Wow. So yeah. do you sort of like have goals or things that you want to achieve for yourself? And you just make sure you stick to those things? Like, how do you keep track of what those things are? Or that identity that you want to have? Um, So I don't have, I don't have a goal in terms of, I used to have goals in terms of the types of projects I wanted to work on. Yeah. So I really wanted to work in VR, really wanted to explore that. And I, I sort of, it happened as an accident, actually. But I think that it's that range of things 
that led me to actually uh, getting get, getting a project that that uh, allowed me to explore that medium. So I have some goals like that, the type of projects that, for example, right now working on say you know free startup projects. Maybe yeah. the next one should be something corporate because I don't want to distance myself too much from that field because there is a lot of work to be done and there is a lot yeah. of interesting developments in there. But at the same time, if I'm if I'm in uh, working in corporate, I kind of want to distance myself from that a bit, and then I start. Yeah. So my goals then become the types of projects, not necessarily the okay. exact projects, but the type of work that I would be doing. So maybe it's conceptualizing, maybe it's uh, proofing an existing concept, maybe yeah. it's uh, rethinking uh, the learning approach or creating a learning framework. So different than what you would get in your regular line of work, so to say, yeah. at the moment. So my, my goals are like that. Okay. My long-term goals are, uh, I don't even know what they are. I should, I, I should have, I should have set them on the 31st of December, but, um, <laughs> oops. <laughs> Is that one? Is that the same for you, Kim, when you're getting contracts? Like, do you have an idea of the sort of work that you want to do? Um... I think we do, yeah, like we love the human-centered design approach and as we talk more about it, I guess people start to know us for that so they come to us because they're attracted to solve a problem yeah. like that and they're not coming to us in the few, in when we first started three and a half years ago, it was like, here's the solution, create this for us. So we were very transactional giving and receiving, but now we're more partner problem solving. Yeah. Um, and so it's happening naturally and this is Hannah always like us or the team where are we going what are we going to be in two to five years and I'm saying it depends on our personal interests as we learn more as humans and as our priorities as humans yeah. um, change we will shift that because this is about creating our ultimate lives and what we're interested in and passionate in and I think at the moment it's going down a how do we make life better for the humans that we yeah. produce solutions for? Whatever that looks like. Whereas in yeah. when I first started, I was like, we develop e-learning. But now yeah. it's like, we that's just one small little fraction of what we what do. What it actually you know? is, so, yeah. yeah. That's cool. All right, well, I've yeah. got another question for you. We'll be close to wrapping up, so I'll let Kim wrap up soon. But I think it'd be really useful for people who are new to the industry. You've been a freelancer and you've experienced the ups and downs of freelancing and I think if you could share if there's any challenges or things that sort of happened where you thought oh I wish I'd done that differently or in the future I know now that I should do this what would that be because I think that would be really useful for people <laughs> um so I guess like many people in this industry I'm not very proud of my first uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would have approached them completely differently. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't a freelancer back then. Yeah. Um, so as a, as a freelancer, I'm, I'm, I'm looking back. I don't think I had massive failures and that's because I have been sort of working with the kind of people and the kind, and the kind of environments that allowed for experimentation. So you're not creating something in silo, silos and shipping uh, okay. into the client only for them to say that that's, that's just not what we had in mind. Yeah. Uh, so I don't put myself in situations like that. I guess um, in terms of failures, uh, my failures have been, of course, I'm not saying that all of my projects have been perfect, uh, far from it. Uh, but I guess the main failures or what I would perceive at the time as failures uh, was not getting certain projects uh, yeah. because I, for, I would say that for every project that I get, there is at least one I didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I just don't put my eggs in one basket. So I actively pursue at least some uh, for, for at least one of them to work out. And sometimes you feel like, oh my God, I really, really want that project. They felt that that's totally the kind of work I want to do, the people yeah. I want to work with, and you don't get that. Mm -hmm. But you need to, and, and, and at the time it seems heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it seems like 
oh my god, I like what's wrong with with me uh, that they yeah. thought I couldn't do this. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to come up with a mechanism for yourself to deal with that kind of failure. Yeah. For me, it's telling myself that no doesn't does not mean a no; it means a not yet. Mm, and that's cool. Time and time again, uh, this I, I've been proven right that I may not get. So, so one example of that would be that a few years ago, I did not get a learning designer role in an organization. And then uh, later, a year later, I got the learning lead role wow. on the same yeah. thing, on the next iteration, on the same thing. So it yeah. was just, I mean, it's going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> just trust, trust the process. Mm. That's cool. That is cool. Awesome. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that is burning that you want to share? You don't have to like solve all the world problems in this one <laughs> recording, but I, so far you've like, oh. inside I'm smiling so yeah, much like, of all the awesome. value that you've brought. So yeah, it's been amazing. Um, oh yeah, I have quite a list. Oh, so, uh, here we go. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 uh, I'm going to share a few things that I feel that I, I really wish I had known. Yep back in the day. Awesome. Okay. So I guess um, two things. Uh, one of them, and this is something that, this is the kind of advice I would give to anybody starting out in any industry, is that the core principle of work is that you always need to follow through on your commitments. Uh, you always show up, you're always on time, you're always prepared. If you deliver something, that something has to be of, of quality. Yeah. Uh, and I used to think that that's the baseline uh, in any industry. What I now realize that it's not. Not very many people play in that league. Mm -hmm. So being that kind of person, being somebody that your clients can depend on, uh, or even your employer if you're still, still employed, is a rare quality that's so very valuable. Mm -hmm. I've, I've come to learn that it's the conscientiousness is yeah. uh, actually one of the main skills, uh, according to uh, Adam Grant, who is kind of a big deal, who got the stat from somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope they, they know what they're saying. But that quality is going to be one of the main qualities in the so-called future of work. Yeah. So I think that this needs to be stressed. and. Another thing, and this is something that I would say my biggest regrets, that's where they come from, is that you always need to follow up on the people and the advice that you get. Uh, and I have, I've been guilty, especially earlier in my career, for not doing that. So if you ask somebody for advice and they give you advice and you never even say thanks because you assume like, you know, yeah, whatever. You just forget, you know, what, what does a thanks mean? You know, mm, they yeah. give me three paragraphs of advice. You know, my thanks is just sort of a formality. <laughs> yeah. uh, or um, you ask for an introduction. Uh, I haven't done, I've never done that before, but I've been in a, in a, in, in another, uh, on another side of, of, of this situation. Uh, when somebody asks you for an introduction, you give that introduction, but they never respond to the other person. Or uh, you ask for a meeting with someone and you're 15 minutes late or you cancel at the last minute. Yeah. Uh, somebody, um, th that's always a bad thing, but if you are asking somebody for their time, you need to respect that. And I guess that God knows what's happening in your life. You may not be in a good place. You may be a mess. Something, something bad happened. Yeah. Uh, and you're not in the state where you want to reply to that email because, my God, you know, there's been, a, let's say, a family death or uh, it's just a really bad day. I just don't have the, the bandwidth. Um, I would just say that create an if-then autopilot. Uh, there's no way around it. Just just do it because whatever you're going through, uh, you're going to have to come back into this mm -hmm. world and you're going to have to pick up and it's going to be that much harder if you burn bridges. Mm -hmm. So be very careful not to do that uh, because ultimately the world doesn't care about you. You need to accept that yeah. <laughs> and you need to be in your own corner. You need to be your biggest advocate and you don't need, you, you have to be very careful not to screw over your, your future self. So I think that's, that's super important. And these are the mistakes that I used to make and that I yeah. see some newbies in the industry make right now.
Yeah. Boom! Wow. Boom! That's awesome! <laughs> somber note, but... Yeah! <laughs> That's really cool. Um, I feel like I'm going to walk away today. Like, I feel very yeah. empowered now and inspired to go about the rest of my day from everything that you've said. And you've shared so many practical tips and yeah. really great advice that I resonate and I 100% back everything that you've said from my own perspective and journey. Yeah. Um, I want to, I think there are lots of key takeaways and all that jazz and to summarize, go back and watch the video again yeah. or listen to this again. But the one thing that I want to recognize you for is just for knowing yourself and the work that you do on yourself. Yeah. Because it is very clear that your success and your way of being as a professional and as an individual comes from knowing your own true self and the identity that you want to transform into for what you know that is in its current state right now yeah. and the work that you've done to get there and then you'll get there and then you'll find something else that you'll want to work yeah. on for yourself. But I really want to recognize and think that the one thing that people should take out of this video is being true to themselves and valuing themselves just like you do yeah. because then I think the rest will fall into place and it will allow them to never worry about imposter syndrome to show up to the networking events to challenge themselves and take on those stretch projects will just happen because they do what is true to them so thank you for yeah. because I think you you just represent that that's what I've Definitely. got from this yeah. today and um, so I really appreciate cool. you out there in the world doing that yeah um, so thank you so much to both Thanks of you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, really grateful to get to learn from you today and I'll feel inspired for the rest yeah. of... It will live with me. I'm someone that sees good <laughs> things and then hears them and puts them into place. So yeah. I look forward to like taking action on the advice that you've shared today. Definitely. Um, so thank you to everyone as well that has listened to this or watched it. And we hope that it adds value and we encourage you to put it into action and you will achieve the goals that you're working on for yourself. If you have someone that we should know about to be on the show the next time, please <laughs> let us know or share this and comment and let us know what you think because it's all about spreading the value that people like Egle have so that we can just yeah. be better humans. <laughs>